better than seeing yourself on TV. I'm like, well, look at me, I'm on television. We're going to talk about life tracks in a little while, and um, I'm excited to do that. Before we jump into the uh, word this morning, is Curtis still in the room? Yes, guys, you can go. Non-taken. Leaving as soon as I start. Curtis is back there, and this week he actually became fully Mennonized. What that means is that he, uh, he had, he's been going through a process of becoming a minister with the Mennonite Brethren, and it's actually quite an involved and somewhat traumatic at times process. Uh, lots of questions. He had his final interview on Wednesday, right, Curtis? And so he is now officially a Mennonite. And uh, no, I'm joking, but he's a minister. Congratulations, Curtis. Do you feel holier? Yeah? No dancing? Okay, remember, no dancing. Don't like that. I'm the, uh, I think Phil and I have become the only British Mennonite brethren, perhaps on the planet, who knows. But um, well done, Curtis. It's good. It's great. Um, last week, I, uh, I jumped into some, uh, some really interesting teaching about being spirit-filled. This week, uh, we're going to look at spiritual gifts. And I've got a lot to do, a lot to get through. Uh, and I'm hoping on the first slide, can I just see the first slide? Um, yeah, right in the top there, it says, got a question, text 393939, followed by the keyword south, and then your question, and then afterwards, we can grab coffee, come back in, we'll spend 15 minutes answering questions about last week's sermon and this week's sermon, because uh, I know there is, this is a subject which is filled often with confusion and bad experiences in the past, and so there might be a question you want to ask and uh, so at the end of the service, coffee, come back in, and we'll answer some of these questions. But can I just point out before we jump in, I think what some people were doing last time we did this is they were doing 393939, keyword south, pressing send, then putting their question in, and it doesn't work. You've actually got to put your question straight after the keyword south, and then uh, it'll come straight to my iPad. Not while I'm preaching, so don't send any mean messages or fun messages. Been there, done that, don't want to do that again. Um, last week we talked about being filled with the Spirit and, and what that actually means. And, and the, the thing with being a Christian is it's important to understand that Christianity is not just a set of beliefs. It's, it's not just a, a hobby that we attach to the rest of our lives. It's not just something that we, we do at the weekends in between soccer practices and taking kids to school. It's actually a life-changing, radical conversion from the heart, spirit, inside out. That's why as a church, our vision is to see lives transformed, not just slightly tweaked, not just a little bit improved, but completely transformed by Jesus Christ in the Okanagan Valley. And what does that look like? Well, we've used this acronym, Real Life, that we believe in the redeemed life, the empowered life, the active life, and the listening life. And so we're right now, right in the middle of E, the empowered life. What does Christianity look like on a day-to-day basis? Not just something we do as a hobby, but how does it actually uh, show itself to uh, the world around us? And so last week, we jumped into what it means to be filled with the Spirit, and, and that we said, basically, we all have the Holy Spirit at conversion, but He doesn't necessarily fill 
all of us. We have all of him. Does he have all of us? And we looked at the scriptures that said very clearly that being filled with the Spirit, whether you want to call it baptism of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, anointed, whatever you want to call it, we need it every day, all the time. It's not just a one-time event, although those are significant. It's an everyday constant filling with the Holy Spirit. And I asked the question, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Because we can quench him, we can resist him, and we looked at scriptures that supported that. And my hope was, my prayer was this last week that you would spend time asking uh, God, the Holy Spirit, to fill you and empower you for life. Because friends, we all need help. We all need empowering. We all need something extra in our life to actually enable us, not just to cope, but to rise above all the different things that we we experience on a day-to-day basis. I love the story that Cindy shared, and I actually heard him give that testimony at the beginning of the song. And this young uh, worship leader going through probably the most tragic of circumstances you can imagine, holding his little boy who'd passed away, and yet he was still able to say, I still believe. I still believe in miracles. How do you get that? That's not something you can find in the self-help section of chapters, right? That's, that's supernatural. That's different. That's real. That's what real life is meant to be like, and that's why I'm loving this series, and uh, it's, it's good. So this week, we're going to look at the expression of what that life can look like. First John 2 and verse 20, you have been anointed by the Holy One. What does that mean for you and I in 2016, moving into 2017, as we go to work, as we live our modern lives in our modern country, what does it mean to be anointed by the Holy One. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, spiritual gifts are the gifts given to us by Jesus and by the Holy Spirit when we become Christians. And those, those two words are... are, are um, way down with all sorts of confusion and questions and baggage. And, and so I want to pull it apart because Paul's just said, I don't want you to be uninformed. In fact, he says in 2 Timothy verse 1, 6, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame. Why would he say that? He's saying it because he recognized, first of all, that there are Christians who are uninformed. They don't know what spiritual gifts are how they work, whether we need them, uh, sounds kind of familiar. And secondly, he's saying, you need to fan them into flame. You, we, we actually need more of them. So the big question that I have today is, is this, and I've got a lot to get through. I'm going to kind of gonna bring this kind of gospel truck up to your life, and it's going to tip up and dump a load of scriptures and teaching onto your lap, and I'm hoping that you'll listen to it again. Come to Life Tracks. We really jump into this. But the overriding thing that I want us to look at and know is, friends, if you are a Christian this morning, you are spiritually gifted. You have spiritual gifts. So the question is, why and what are they and how are they used and, and, and why, why do we need them as a church? So first of all, why do we need to study and understand the spiritual gifts? 
In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Verse 7, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. Why do we have spiritual gifts? Why is it that God has given us these gifts? Glenn, do we really even need to have teaching about it? They just seem to be a bit weird, a bit strange. I don't understand them. Isn't it just about reading my Bible and coming to church every now and again? No, we need the spiritual gifts. Paul says really clearly here, for the common good. What does he mean by that? Well, you can split that into two. First of all, we need them, as we will see today, for us as Christians in church at Willow Park South, 2016, we need uh, spiritual gifts. And secondly, for the common good of our community, for our world. So first of all, it transforms us as a church. It builds us up. Verse 11 in in Ephesians Uh, Chapter 4, he said, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. If you ever go to Europe or Britain and you go into some of the old churches, they're they're fascinating buildings, and they've not just been thrown together uh, in their architecture just uh, without any thought. It's actually thought very carefully how uh, they were designed and built, some of them more than a thousand years ago. If you go into a church in Britain, quite often the design is in the shape of a cross, the actual building is in the shape of a cross. And, and generally speaking, you would have the priest or the vicar or well, what, the minister would get up, you would go around in some spiral staircase up to the top of the pulpit. So they were very much raised up. And then they would speak the sermon down the channel, if you like, of these old churches. And their voice would carry and, and it, was, it was wonderful. But that is very symbolic There was very much a gap between laity, that's you, and clergy, that's me. The gap was so pronounced that even in their buildings, they made sure that you as the clergy knew who it was who was doing the work of God, me, the clergy. Completely unbiblical. Just totally unbiblical. Because it was all pointing, literally pointing up to the clergy, and the clergy would throw out the scripture or the, the verses and the preach over the laity, and it was this sense of the clergy does the work of God. The clergy is the one who does the ministry. The pastor is the one who does the work. The pastor is the one that does the teaching. The pastor is the one who does the work of ministry. Whereas we've just read here, who actually is it that does the work of ministry? I have a ministry... You are the ones who are also ministers. We're all ministers. We're all in this together. There is no clergy-laity separation. There's different gifting. And my job is to equip the saints. That's you. Which, by the way, if you're a Christian, you're a saint. Congratulations. I've just made you a saint. Actually, that's not true. Jesus made you a saint when you became a Christian. That's what the Bible says. So you can actually refer to yourself as, as uh, you know, Saint Scott. That's a nice ring to it, isn't it, Scott? You know, maybe you can tell your students that. Just call me, not Mr. Campbell, Saint Scott. Thank you very much. You know, there's no, you're all saints. That's you. 
My job is to equip you for what? The work of ministry. Why? For the building up of the body of Christ. We're in this together. We need spiritual gifts. You need pastors and teachers and prophets and evangelists uh, and shepherds. And you need this gifting from the leadership. Otherwise, this is otherwise called the fivefold ministry gifts. Gifts from Jesus to the church in order to be equipped so that you can be equipped for ministry. Ministry in your homes, in your neighborhoods, in your community, in your workplaces, in your coffee shops, in the bus stops, in, the, in every place you go. You are in ministry. That's good news. Good news for who? Well, you, but most of all, a broken world that is in desperate need of some good news and the good news of Jesus Christ. I can't meet all the people you meet. You may be, and I've said this many, many times, you might be the closest that people get to reading the Bible. Think about it. Watching your life may be the closest Anyone in your circle might get to reading the Bible right now. You're ministers. You need equipping. You need building up. You need to be cared for, ministered to, spoken to. From whom? Now we're just talking about how we are transformed. We get spoken to, cared for, ministered to by each other. By your spiritual gift. See, as I look out and I know so many of your stories, I'm, I know that your stories are stories of changed life. Some of you, I know your story of how you came to know Jesus, and you're like, it's a miracle that I'm even sat in church. Some of you, as I've said this before, just seem to have just been born a Christian singing Amazing Grace. You know, and you became this beautiful little Christian at four, and it's just grown and developed. And, and we have all these different stories, and, and there, it's a story of changed and transformed lives. And we've been put together in this church, in this family, in order to minister to one another. And can I tell you that changed lives start with people exercising their gifts? Changed lives starts with people exercising their gifts. I've said before this story of when I was 17, and I won't go into great detail. If you come to Life Tracks, you'll hear more about this story. But I was tremendously impacted by a, uh, and I joke about this, I remember as a 17-year-old this lady being old. The reality is she was probably in her 40s, but at 17, everybody who's not a teenager in their 20s is old. But I remember this lady uh, being an old lady, and the circumstances, I, I won't go into, but essentially I was, uh, I was kind of drawn into a conversation. Some friends of mine kind of set this conversation up after dinner. So it was just me and this elderly lady, probably not that old, sat across from one another. And she put her cutlery down and we were finished. And I was kind of awkward waiting for my friends to come back into the room. And she was just looking at me. And I was a mess, like really I know at 17 you think, how much trouble can you get into at 17? A lot, right? And she looked at me and she started speaking stuff to me that even today um, I have vivid memory of what she said. It was like she had read my mail. If I'd had email, it was before email, it was like she knew, she just knew everything about me. And she told me and I was embarrassed. She went into great detail. Now I looking back, I'm thinking she was exercising the word of knowledge. She was. 
And she just told me stuff. And then she started telling me stuff about what I would do in life. And friends, I can tell you, it, it even now sends shivers down my back, some of the stuff she told me in great detail. Sarah knows some of the stuff, even down to being a pastor in Canada. And, um, and I was 17. It rocked my world. Now, as I'm telling this story, something interesting is happening in the room. Some of you are thinking, yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. I don't believe it. You know, they probably just come to Canada just because it's, you know, you just, um, uh, you heard something and it's been in the back of your mind for a long time and it just eventually happens. Some of you believe the gift stopped at the end of New Testament. Some of you uh, are just aren't, you know, aren't even sure what spiritual gifts are. Some of you are really uncomfortable about stories like that. And the reality is, all the way through our church history, it is ram-packed with stories like that. Where do we land with that? You see, we're given gifts to minister to one another in order that we might grow, that we might change. And can I tell you, I came back and Sarah knew me at that time, and she knew me before. You can talk to her. She knew me before, and she knew me after. That bus journey down to Deal in Kent and back, that week that I was there, like, it was like somebody different came back. It radically changed my life. I came back chewing on people when it comes to the gospel. If you came near me, you were going to hear about Jesus. Like, I, I just was full, I was transformed. Because that lady exercised the gifts that God had given her faithfully and obediently. See, gifts are given for us to be transformed. You see, we want to be transformed. We want to grow. And we can do much of that in our own quiet times and devotions. But many of you would be able to say, you know what? I, I, I had a real change in my life when somebody came and said something to me, pointed something out, showed me something, spent time with me, invested in me. And we can, we can anchor in radical life transformation. We can anchor them into a person at sometimes at a moment in time. That's spiritual gifting. We need that, friends. It's all part of the package, this beautiful package that God has called the church. Secondly, it transforms the world. In Ephesians 4, so it transforms us, spiritual gifts, and now it transforms the world. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body... Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each, please notice this, when each part, that's you and me, is working properly, makes the body grow. So that it builds itself up in love. The context of this passage is gifting. When you and I, it says, are each working properly together, the body grows. True, authentic church growth, not just lights and lasers and popular preachers and, and, and you know, um, ear-tickling sermons or, or anything, you know, please come in. I'm not talking about gathering a crowd. That's easy to do with enough money. I'm talking about solid, transformational church happens when you and I actually exercise our gifting together. 
That's why it's so important that we have things like life tracks that give you an opportunity to come together and find out what your spiritual gifts are. Find out what your strengths are so you can actually do the work that you have been called to do. Like Viv said on the screen, I don't know if she's here, but she said that I can just align with what God wants me to do in life. See, Jesus will cause the growth of Willow Park Church, Willow Park Church South, as we are equipped, grow, and work together. Church is not meant to be lived on the periphery. You are meant to be connected in. You are meant to be doing life together. You're meant to be in a community group. That's what you're designed to do. You're, you're meant to be ministering to one another. If you're on the edge, what happens when you sit on the edge of something, you can get cynical and critical. Well, you know, I'm not sure about that. Well, jump in, connect in, and then let's have that conversation. See, these gifts are essential to the work of the church, and therefore it's vital that we understand what we are gifted with. So, what are the gifts of the Spirit? Now, I'm going to read quite a long passage, but I want to show you how biblical spiritual gifts are and how necessary Paul says they are to our lives. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through to 11. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service. We've already read part of this scripture, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in who? This is your turn. Everyone. Body ministry. See, that just happened. All six of you. Right. Verse 7. To each is given the manifestation. Each. All. Everyone. For the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. Another, working in miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So you can see this beautifully eclectic, creative group of people. The overwhelming message of the New Testament concerning gifts is clear. First of all, it's given to all believers. I say this delicately, not just the crazies. Not just the super charismatic ones who have nothing else better to do. This is the way cynical... I've heard this stuff. Yeah, well, it's all right for, you know, for all that loud lot. You know, it causes a lot of trouble. A lot of division comes from spiritual gifts. Speaking in tongues, what's that all about? You know, and it's like... Ooh. But then I can't escape scriptures like this. It's given to all believers. We're all anointed. Secondly, we're all different. Amen to that. We're all different. Gifts can be helpfully divided into three different categories. And I want to spend just a little bit of time on this because some of you internally might be freaking out a little bit. Going, well, what? discernment of spirits and speaking in tongues and interpreting. I want to show you. There's lots of different ways of interpreting the gifts in the New Testament, but where we land is we would say there's, there's 19 spiritual gifts, and, and helpfully they can be divided into, I want to suggest, three categories. And, I, and I'm doing it this way because I want to show you that you're all gifted. So you are all in one of these categories with some crossover. So as I'm sharing, you might go, oh, that's me. 
I didn't know I was spiritually gifted. That's me. I'm hoping and believing and praying that that's what's going to happen over the next couple of minutes. So the first grouping are the mercy gifts. Mercy gifts. Unhelpfully, these three groups do not start with the same letter. I tried to make it happen. I just couldn't. So I'm sorry I failed. The first one, oh, they've all come together. No element of surprise. Okay. I guess I'm not preaching fast enough. Let's do this, shall we? He's like, come on. <laughs> First one is mercy gifts. So mercy gifts would be gifts of giving, mercy, and the gifts of help. They're the actual gifts that are detailed in the New Testament. Mercy gift people are naturally inclined towards caring, justice, giving, seeing needs, helping the poor. You know, it's, it's those people like the, the, the group in the sense would say something like, if you're very, very cued into a mercy gifting, you would say the church is all about serving the poor. What are we doing sitting around in church singing all day? Let's go down there and serve those who are in need. And some of you are going, yes, preach it. You're mercy gifted. You've got gifts of mercy and giving and helps. My wife is giving helps mercy. She will, that's what she's motivated by. She will give and give and help and support and care. And the problem is with the mercy gifts. Every one of us knows that we ought to be a bit like this. But deep down inside, some of you are going, yeah, that's not me. I don't care. (laughs) And you feel bad. You're like, oh, I really want to go and help the poor, but... Now, so I'm not saying there are gifts, there are things in the scriptures, so let me not let you off the hook completely, those of you who are going, yes, mercy gift people, let's just let them do it. Actually, there's, there's, there's scripture that clearly says that the responsibilities we all have as Christians. Some of you, though, find it hard, and that's okay. Some of you are like, I could do this all day, this is what church should be. You're mercy gifted, welcome to the team. We should actually have t-shirts, John. What do you think? Mercy gifting? Power gifted. Power gifted people. Oh, power gifted people really can be annoying to people who are not power gifted people. Power gifted people are people who have... They, they, and if you want to know what each of these look like, life tracks. Come to life tracks. We jump into what each of these look like. But it's word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healings, miracles, discernment. Some of you are going, even I'm saying this, because that's not you. Discernment, gifts of tongues, interpretation. You're like, oh man, no. That is everything that I don't want about church because it makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, unfortunately for you, it's in the scriptures. We need them. Why? So we can grow, we can be transformed, so we can see a world transformed. You are that power gifted. You're about the charismatic. It's about the miracles, the healing, the laying on of hands. It's uh, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, exhortation. You're like, man, that's what church should be. I just want to worship for 50 hours and Soak in the presence of Jesus. You are power gifted. That's you. That's wonderful. Love it. You think that's what church should be all about. So you've got mercy gifted people that think church should be all about serving the poor. You've got power gifted people who think church is all about speaking in tongues and worship and praying. Like Davy, bless him. He is power gifted. 
That's his heart. That's, that's what drives him. And it's wonderful. I love it. You know, power gifted people have such an intense and beautiful, pure love for Jesus. They just feel it. And I'm jealous of that sometimes. You know? Power gifted people, they, they, can, they can be scary. I remember traveling with a guy who had some significant giftings and we stopped to get some gas in or petrol in a petrol station in Britain. And, uh, and I was sat, he'd already filled the car up because like in many, many parts of the world, as you know, you actually get the gas, then you pay. So we'd already filled up with petrol and, and he went into the petrol station. I could see him. He's probably about as far away from me as that wall is over there. And I could see him and I'm like, okay, we need to carry on with the journey. And I'm, I'm just looking, this is way before cell phones. We had nothing to do, imagine. Just sat there. You know, you read the car manual. Remember that? When you sat there waiting for somebody? And I'm looking, and he's talking to this girl who's serving in the petrol station. And I'm starting to watch. And I'm watching. And then I just suddenly see this girl go like this. And then her shoulders start going. I'm like, what's going on there? And the nice thing is I'm seeing him praying for her. This is within like a minute and a half of him being in this petrol station. And she's your shoulders are going, and then, and then he's praying for her, and, uh, and then he pulls something out of his pocket, and he gives it to her, and he leaves like five minutes later. This girl's a mess. And he comes in, jumps into the car, and we drive off. Doesn't say anything to me. I'm thinking, that, that has got to be worth a question, right? Can you just tell me what was it? He was quite considerably older than I was, so I was trying to be respectful. What happened in the garage? And he said, oh, they just was just pain and, and God just spoke something really clearly to me about a life. And I just said, hey, you know, I don't know if this means anything to you, but I, I just, does this? And he shared a word of knowledge with her and she just broke. And he started praying with her. He said, oh, I, I, I led her through the gospel and she'd already heard some of it from one of her friends and she became a Christian right there. So I gave her my card so we could connect and I could get her into a church. I'm like, that never happens to me. That's mind-blowing to me. But that girl's life was completely transformed. Why? Because a power-gifted person stepped out in faith and used their gift in their community. Love that, want that, need that, friends. Thirdly, the word gift, and I'm going, to guess, I'm going to let you guess where you think I camp out. Word gifts, teaching, exhortation, prophecy, apostleship, pastor, evangelism, leadership. That's where I camp. That's, that's, I'm comfortable with that. And, and some, some of the power gifts as well mixed in there when God wants and needs. But generally, that's where I will camp out. And you will say, no, no surprise there. And they're pretty self-explanatory. They're, they're teaching, the teaching, the word gifts, they're about scripture, they're about exhortation, they're about, we can do this, come on. You know, let's climb this mountain together. Let's hit this thing. And, and it's just, that's what word gifts are. So here's where the tension builds up. Some of you are mercy. Some of you are power. Some of you are word. Word gifted people get wound up by power gifted people. Because it's like, what about the scriptures? What about the word? No, you can't do this. We need order. We need leadership. We need vision. We need strategy. That's what we need. And power gifted people get frustrated with word gifted people. And then when what we 
tend to do, and please hear this lovingly, we try and find a church to fit our gifts. That is not biblical. You try and find a church that's just all about mercy, you are going to lack power gift and you are going to lack word gift. And friends, you need word gift. We all need power gift. We all need mercy gift. We need one another. That's what the scripture says. So the word gift people just go and find a church where somebody like John Piper's preaching. It's just teaching. That's like letter by letter. Let's go through the Bible starting at Genesis 1. And some of you are like, oh my goodness, no. Any more than 15 minutes, I'm out of here. Let's go and serve the poor. Can you see how the tension can build up? But can you see why I love being a pastor? Because it's like herding frogs. <laughs> it's all moving the same direction. No, no, no. Like, come back. Let's, we, just, we need vision. Let's, let's stay together. Because we need you. Don't leave and go and find another church that you think fits you. We need you. I love this. The church is an eclectic. The Greek for eclectic is weird. Okay? No, literally. No, I'm making that up. I could have easily put the church is a weird body by design. We must understand, love, care, and support one another. It is vital, friends, that we understand who we are and how we are gifted to understand our calling. Why? So we can understand how we can best be used. That's why we as a church wrote and designed Life Tracks. So you can come on November 19th and go from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., with lunch included, and go through with Wendy and myself strengths and gifts. And, we, and I tell you, you need to book into that today. It's right there on the website. And it's well worth the money. We need to be honest about our thought patterns very quickly. Here are some of the problems with gifts. Bad experiences. Some of you have been to church and you've had a bad experience. Somebody's come and slapped a hand on your head, tried to push you over with somebody on the side with a purple cloth ready to lay it on you when you hit the floor. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you, you don't worry about it. Some of you have been blown on, wafted on, teeth turning into gold, oily hands, glitter. You know, every barking dogs, roaring lions. I'm not making any of this stuff up. Some of you have been to churches like that, and that's a whole other conversation. And you've come away and you've gone, I don't want anything to do with anything like that. And you've walked away from the power gifts. So bad experiences can dictate mindset towards the gifts that God has given you. There's confusion. Very quickly, there is a difference between strengths and gifts. A strength you are born with. A gift, a spiritual gift you are given when you become a Christian. Often spiritual gifts can be amplified from strengths. So, for example, you might be a naturally generous person before you become a Christian, but then you become a Christian, that gifting of given gets supernaturally amped up. So suddenly now you're looking to sell stuff in order to give away. It, it, it can supernaturally amp up strengths, but strengths and gifts are different. And we're very blessed that, uh, like, Wendy is so trained in identifying strengths. We're going through it as a whole staff on Tuesday, which I know she's quite giddy about. 
But it's really important you understand what you are strengthened with, what you've been given as a, uh, uh, when you were born, what your personality and character is like. But that is not the same as spiritual gifts. I remember one young man who had a tremendous strength or talent for swimming, quite convinced that was his spiritual gift. And no matter how much I tried to point it out to him in scriptures, he didn't buy it, that swimming is not a spiritual gift. Being good at art is not a spiritual gift. But God can use that strength in a supernatural way and it turns into a gift. So now suddenly you're really great at art. Now your art can speak to somebody. Maybe you have a power gift through that. Maybe you sell it and give it away because you're generous. You see how strengths can be used? These two young ladies, Tess and Brianne, who I saw before, I know very well. Just wonderful. One was an engineer. The other one is a nurse. They have a natural mercy gift. You can see it in there. But they've used that supernaturally. Their spiritual gift means that they now go into another country and give their life to it. See, strengths are what you are born with. It's outside my ability to be able to go through every gift today, but I really do encourage you to go on life track. So to finish up, here are some guiding principles when it comes to spiritual gifts. A gift is often an unusual effectiveness in a responsibility given to all. That's quite a mouthful. So let me, let me describe what I mean. Many spiritual gifts are tasks given to us all. So, for example, you will find in the New Testament that we're all called to serve, we're all called to evangelize, we're all called to prophesy, we're all called to pray for healing. We're all called to intercede for others. We're all called to trust in God. We're all called to be generous. We are all called to exhort one another. And it goes on and on and on and on. But some of you have this natural desire where that becomes your thing. That becomes your gift. You have an unusual effectiveness. You see, I remember when I, uh, I, I, I had this experience and I got filled with the Spirit and I came back as a 17 uh, year old and I was just so full of what uh, God wanted for me in my life, my natural strength has always been communication. I've always been able to communicate reasonably well, not necessarily for good things. But then this, this gift started to develop within me. I came back and I went to a young adults group. Now remember, I'm word gifted. Young adults group, many of these young adults, I was 17, many of these young adults were 10 years older than me, which again, at 17 is ancient, just saying. And I, started, I joined this group. Within a couple of weeks, I was leading this group. Sarah was in it. I still don't quite know how that happened, but it's word gifting coming through. Some of you go, I'm not surprised. See, God takes our strength and he uses it as a gift. And, and then this, you know, I was asked to preach at a church when I was about 18. And the rest, um, God just graciously gave me opportunity and people around me to take risks with me and mentor me. And, and uh, yeah, I, I'm here 25 years later preaching the gospel every week. Why? Because there's a natural strength amped up by Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, used in community to grow and develop, and that's what we all have. So it's an unusual effectiveness in the responsibility given to all. We discover our gifts as we pursue them. Can I say that you will find out what your gifting is by using them? 
If you sit and wait for your gifts to be revealed to you, then you'll be waiting a long time. There might be a natural affinity. I'm going to come to that in a second. But actually volunteering, getting involved, jumping in, you will find out your gifting or not. You know, we need volunteers in every aspect of this church, whether it be kids department or ushering or welcome team or or worship, whatever it might be. You get involved and you will find that your gifting will start presenting itself. So as we position ourselves to pursue these gifts, they strengthen within us. Thirdly, gifts are confirmed by others. This is very, very important. Can I look at the next? Hopefully there's a uh, a diagram that I want to show you with one word missing. That's handy. Um, (laughs) Okay, this circle that's missing should say affinity. Three A's. That's not mine. I wish I could... I wish I could claim that. And, and There's affirmation, there's ability, and there's affinity. You, you have a natural ability, that could be your strength. You have a natural affinity, so you have this natural desire that you want to be involved. And then there's affirmation, God developing this gift within you. And as others people say to you, you know, I can confirm, I can see that gift in you. I can affirm that. And friends, that happens, and gifts should be in the middle. Spiritual gifts should be in the middle. I don't know what's happened there. But as that happens, and as you position yourself, and as you pursue, and as you desire to, uh, to discover your spiritual gifts, that happens in the best place that we have is community groups. If you want to see your leadership and your, your word gift or your power gift or, or, or mercy gift really develop, join a community group and pursue it there. Being gift-driven brings great joy and confidence. You know, there is nothing like discovering what your strengths and gifts are and then using them, not only in work, but also in play and in interests and hobbies and commitment to church. You just think, man, I've just found my place. It says in Romans 12 verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. You know, you have a particular assignment in this church. Do you know what that is? Well, I haven't got the time, Glenn. Can I tell you? You are missing out. Because there is nothing like being able to be used with your gifting, your strength and gifting. If you're like, well, I haven't got time. I'm too busy doing other things. Then you are missing out. See, our role as spiritually gifted people is to use them for the growing of the body, to, to, uh, to, for there to be edification, transformation. It's an exciting and wonderful thing. This is what being spirit-filled looks like. So my challenge for you this week, I guess, surrounds a couple of questions as we bring this to a close, is that do you know what your gifts and strengths are? If you don't, life tracks. If you do know what your gifts and strengths are, are you using them? Are you positioning yourself to pursue them and to use them? Have you joined a community group? Have you joined something in our church that will allow you to use that gift? Why? Because we need it as a church. I love that when Jesus came to earth, 
He was surrounded by a motley crew of people, varying numbers, depending on the time of his life. And they would have been such a strange group. And Jesus was able to look into the lives of people and see something beyond what they were, see into the future and say statements like this, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. You see, Peter was so far away from being that person. And yet Jesus looked into his life and saw something that was possible because of the gifting that he had. And when he became a Christian, Peter, and when he was spirit-filled, this gift was activated in his life, and he became a world changer. And upon him, the world, the church was built. And I know that Jesus, in the same way he looked into Peter's life, he can look into yours and my life and say, okay, here's, here's how we're going to use you. I don't know if we can, I, I missed out earlier, but I, I just want to read something to finish as an illustration of what I'm talking about. And um, there's this wonderful time in the Hebrides in Scotland where there was a revival. It wasn't that long ago, less than 100 years ago. And, and this revival in Scotland, in the Hebrides, in the islands, radically transformed communities. And, and it started in a little house in the Hebrides with two ladies, two sisters, Peggy and Christine Smith. Peggy was 84 and Christine was 82. One was blind and the other one was almost bent double. And they started to pray. They prayed and prayed and prayed together. Morning and night, they prayed that revival would come to the Hebrides, that people would come to know Jesus. There would be transformation. See, these ladies were using their gifting. They were using their strengths. That even though their physicality couldn't necessarily mean they could go out and do the things I'm sure they would love to have done, they sat and they prayed. And then they started exhorting local church leaders to do the same. They called the leaders of this small church together And these deacons and elders, a very small group, joined together in a barn and started to pray, much like we're going to do tomorrow night. And they prayed for their city, uh, their, their area, these islands. They prayed and prayed. And then one young deacon, we don't know his name, this is, this is the account from one of the meetings. I don't know if we have this or not. Yeah, we do. It says, One night, as they waited upon God, a young deacon rose and read part of the 24th Psalm. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive, he or she shall receive the blessing from the Lord. Turning to the others, he said, Brethren, it seems to me just so much humbug to be waiting and praying as we are if we ourselves are not rightly related to God. And then lifting his hands towards heaven, he cried, O God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? He got no further but fell prostrate to the floor and revival broke out. Communities were changed. Churches were filled. People came to know Jesus. Where does it start? Peggy and Christine, bless them. And this young deacon in this small prayer meeting. Friends, 
revival and transformation out there starts with transformation renewal in here. In me, in you. I want to encourage you to come and pray tomorrow night. Encourage you to pursue the gift that God has given you. Jesus loved us so much. He lived the life that we are unable to live and he died the death that you and I deserve to die because of the sin that we willfully commit. And he has given us this beautiful responsibility to be agents of the gospel. Use your gifts. I hope that as I've spoken, you can see that this is a good thing. But my prayer that it will grip your heart and it will cause you to actually come before the Lord pray and put time aside to pray and come to the prayer meeting tomorrow night and we too can present ourselves before him and ask that he would transform our hearts that we would go into a broken world and see that transformed for him